This is a Salt Hill Media original podcast. Hello, welcome to the Ireland podcast. This is Fender Jackson. I'm delighted to bring to you an episode with my good dear friend, John Devlin. John has been a fixture in my life for 30 years or more. And he's been doing the same thing that he's been doing for a lot of time, which is writing great songs, getting a band together, or keeping a band together, or recruiting new members, getting gigs, performing those songs, recording those songs, and continue. You can find out more about John on his website, which is at johndevlin.net. There's links to all his social media accounts and so on from there. John's got a very surreal sense of humour, a bit of a dark sense of humour sometimes. The purpose of this podcast is to be a champion for people doing great work. And I'm not really drawing a distinction on how recognised they have been over the years. Yesterday I interviewed Sharon Shannon. That interview will go live next week, hopefully. And obviously her profile is a lot larger than John's, but arguably both their bodies of work are just as important. It's just a difference of scale, really. I believe that John's songs are really well-crafted pieces of art. And I do believe that there's some recognition out there which he has yet to achieve. If this podcast can help achieve that in any which way, well, I think this episode will have done its work. But if the only thing that this episode does is brighten the day of some listener out there, well then, it's also done its job there too. Okay, let's go to that conversation. Band, wrap it up! This is the Ireland Podcast. Hello, who are you and what do you do? Hiya, my name is John Devlin. I'm a singer-songwriter, um, artiste. I write songs and I perform them. Very good. Let's cut to the chase. Let's hear one of your tracks. Got your money 
That's not the one. It's a real rocker, John. I'm not the one. What I say? That's not the one. <laughs> You're not the one. We're not I the one. I am the one. You're the one. So okay. <laughs> okay, John. So how did you write this? Well, just before you start that, um, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast today is I'm on the cusp of releasing my album Next in Line in all the major high stores. Um well, worse than all the rest, yes. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. But this song, I'm at the Warner, wrote it in London. And there's a bit of a backstory. Basically, I was seeing this girl at the time. Lucky lady. Lucky lady. And um, I'd be texting her and she wouldn't be texting back and stuff. And I'd be going, oh my God, she's really got my number, you know. So um, that's where I got the opening line from. And uh, yeah, part of the song is just kind of like the second verse is like, 
living in London, seeing the sort of disparity between like huge wealth and poverty and hey, you've got your money, you're walking on broken hearts and nothing is said. So it's kind of like the personal sort of political that kind of runs through a lot of my, my material, you know, and it's kind of like what I try to do is expressionistic. Um, I don't actually put too much thought into it. I just sort of write how I feel, you know, and the music sort of guides the, the lyrics, you know, so. But people can just read what they want into it, you know what I mean? But it's more sort of expressive is what I'm trying to do, you know, with my music and lyrics. I saw this interview with Paul McCartney. I think it was with, it could have been with Jarvis Cocker. And he was talking about, um, I don't know how to write a song. And and this is the most important thing that he said for me. He said, I don't want to know. So, and then he <laughs> that explains how he writes a song, which is he gets some chords together that he, that he likes the sound of, he jams them out, and then from that a melody may pop out. Is that how you go about stuff? Yeah, well, it's kind of like there's a mysterious quality to making any piece of music or art or whatever you want to call it. So, and I think a lot of it is to do with sort of letting the un- unconscious through without getting trying to sound too pretentious about it. The, more, the less you are in the way of it, the better, you know, because sometimes if you really labour something, it sounds very laboured, you know what I mean? And, um, but the way I kind of write songs is I would pick up a guitar or muck around on the piano, just get a wee melody, get a wee riff, and then get something that would really appeal to me, do you know what I mean? Like I could pick pick, pick up a guitar now and I could belt out something that would probably be pretty rubbish, you know, or be okay, you know, just do the job. And then after that, the you know, the lyrics would come, like a phrase would come in my head and something, you know, it's just, they're li- like little jigsaws, you know, and they sort of fall into the place. But the thing about every song is, and I think songwriters will tell you this, is just that they're all like their own little universes. So every song on an album is bringing something different to the table. I hope, you know, so, um, but I don't, I don't think about it, I don't worry about it. I kind of write songs in a hurry if I've got a gig and I've got like a few songs I need to put together, you know, I just would quickly write the lyrics for them and some of the songs in that album are, are kind of like that, like um, Paint It Red, Homunculus and Wild and stuff. I just had to get the lyrics together pretty fast. Mm. So it is... Is that because you had studio time booked and you needed to get some lyrics to sing out? No, it's because like I had the band ready to play these songs and I had to get them. The words together for the gig, you know, so it's like, oh, Jesus, I just write the <laughs> We need to get something together. And and generally, that's just the way I just work under pressure, you know, so. Yeah. Um, or, I, I, but that's not abnormal. I mean, you know, Bowie did that a lot. And, um, you know, we, well, he, I'm thinking of he had time booked in the studio and he was like writing just before the recording. Well, I think he just wrote in the studio. I think he just had a few ideas and he just went into the studio and just. Do you know what I mean? He'd have one or two lines and... Depends on the album. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think, like, the Beatles, I'm not comparing myself to these people, but they would have it fully formed before they go into the studio, you know, pretty much. But um, that's just... Like, that song, Homunculus and Wild, I started that in my 20s. Mm. I'm now 72. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I just had the melody in my my head goes... And I could never, like, just sort of forgot about it. Mm. for 20 years and then it popped in my head and I needed a song yeah um 
to record or something because I wanted to record some new st- stuff and just got the me- got the it was my, me and my friend Jacko and we came up with Homunculus and Wild, you know what I mean? So, um, so to tell so us, about, tell us about Homunculus and Wild. Um, so that, that it's such a strange title. What's that? What's that about? Well, I think a homunculus is kind of like a medieval sort of sm- small, tiny, tiny man. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Homunculus and Wild is like, um, yeah, it's kind of like based on Jekyll and Hyde. And just sort of a totally random kind of surreal thing about um, a firm of, well, it says in the lyrics, a firm of lawyers specialise in home-assisted suicide, homunculus and wild. So it's about a firm of lawyers who practice euthanasia to keep themselves in business. You know I mean? so Is this some dystopian future that you It just see? came out, I don't know where it came from. It's just, it's just totally mental, you know. And it's, not, it's just not like... It's not like the sort of song that I would ever write anyway. I don't really write sort of wee story songs like that. You know what I mean? They're usually quite personal, you know. So um, that's just kind of a random. Sometimes thing. you just have to follow where the inspiration is taking you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, they just write themselves, and it's just it's quite humorous. You know what I mean? Like, and um, it's all in the it's, it's just in the lyrics. If you have a listen to the darling, absolutely you know? darling. So uh, you shot a video for this, uh, it's just, which is quite funny. Do you want yeah. to talk about that? Well, I shot a video out in. Portland own and um, I got a bunch of actors together. I didn't feature in it because I was about 18 stone at the time. So <laughs> I hired, hired a few actors to do it. And then we haunted, we did it actually in a haunted house out in Portland own. And um, they were the characters Homunculus and Wild. And we had them in the uh, house doing the contract, you know what I mean? And for the person that was going to be killed and... Then we had them in the graveyard, and we, well, you can see it on the line anyway. It's just a bit of crack, yeah. you know. It's like, but seemingly anyway, the it was like a the guy who made the video. It was his um, one of his relatives, and the, the house was supposed to be haunted. So there you go. Wow, spooky man! And do you it's believe, cosmic man. Do you believe all that stuff? Do I believe in like haunted houses, paranormal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe like. Uh, but Shakespeare says there's more in heaven and earth than in your philosophy, Horatio, or something like that anyway. There's more going on than meets the eye in the world, you know, and um, so, you know, the whole thing about creativity or whatever it is, kind of, a, there is a magical un- unknown quality to it, you know, so, yeah. I, I don't believe in paranormal, but every time I meet you, I think you you're know. paranormal. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold paranormal. on. I'm, get, I'm getting something. Yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm hearing something. Yeah, there's something coming down the stairs. Yeah, I'm hearing something. Yeah, I, I can see two old ladies. Yeah, I can see, I can see one of them. Yeah, one of them's wearing an abbot. Yeah, yeah, one of them. Yeah, she's chasing another lady down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely a nun. Yeah, they're definitely not. She's chasing a young girl down the stairs. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so that's my Derek Akora moment. Right, so you're, you, you do get some um, times whenever you you obviously can channel the spirits, so that's very powerful. Well, not really, no, I just write a, f- a few songs, geez, and play a few gigs. Like. Oh, gee. Okay, so um, should we listen to Humongous and Wild? Yeah, let's, give, let's, it a, let's, give it a blast. Give it a blast. You specialize in home-assisted suicide 
Looking for paranormal uh, sort of worker, or I don't know whatever you call them, you know, paranormal worker. It's like a plumber. Yeah. I'm your man. Right. right. So, <laughs> so you can be asked your way songwriting, out. Songwriter and paranormal do you, is worker. That a, is that a service you, you, you would like to do? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a call. Yeah. Look yeah. up my website, johndevlin.net. Yeah. 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 I'm sure the services are very, or the, the rates are very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, gee. Okay, so let's go back to the start. Where were you born and um, how did you get into music? Well, I was born in Limerick and um, I lived in all the best places in Ireland, like Craigavon, Limerick, Dundalk in the 80s, Belfast during the Troubles. So it's all the scenic spots. But um, how got into music? Well, I just got into music, you know, because my dad was always a great singer and he used to sing all the old Irish ballads and stuff. And... Did he play an instrument? Didn't play it. Like none of my family played instruments, and I was the only one who's ever really got into music. And how did how did that happen? I don't know. I just was like loved music, and I just was fascinated by songwriting more than anything else. You know, I loved the Beatles, I loved Lennon, I loved Paul Simon and um, Beach Boys growing up and all that, and I loved a lot of the eighty stuff, Prince, Kate Bush, all the rest of it. And, and how did was the guitar the first instrument? Well, my dad had it just a. Uh, a wee acoustic, you know, like a Spanish guitar, you know, the old classical guitar. So he didn't play it, but he had it. He had it, but he could play one or two chords in it. Okay. But I just sort of learnt from there and just started writing my wee little numbers, you know. So and that's just how I graduated, you know. But how, how old were you whenever you first wrote your first song? I think it was about sixteen or something, you know. But the first songs weren't bad, you know what I mean? I just discovered I had a knack for putting together. I think like in music, there's different types of skills. Like I just can't, I'm not a great musician, so I can't do what people do on the guitar. I can't, you know, you get these young people who are virtuosos. I just can't, where songwriting is a different type of thing. You know, it's like, it's a finished piece, you know what I mean? So it's got to start the middle and an end, you know what I mean? And it's a different way of thinking basically, do you know what I mean? So you get people who are fantastic musicians who couldn't do what I do, you know what I mean? And then you get, Obviously, better songwriters can do better what I, what I can do, you know. So it's just a different skill set. But I just was always fascinated by good songwriting, you know, and learned from listening to the best songwriters, you know. So pop yeah. pop song, songwriters like Lennon and Bowie and all those people, you know, mm. and um, they can put together, you know, a two minute or three minute, four minute song that is just a a really perfect piece of work, you know what I mean? So um, that's what was interesting, you know. Do you have any early memories in, for example, in school where you had a light shining upon you or anything? Well, there was one day um, I was in the 
biology class and I had to give a message into the chemistry class and I was about 16 or 17, this is in the Morist. And so I gave the message anyway and I says, sir, do you mind if I sing a song? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, what, 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 what do you mean, Devlin? And I just go like, do you mind if I sing a song to the class? So then I sung like Yellow Submarine and then I and then everybody like busted we were laughing and clapping and then I said Did they I, sing along? Yeah, kind of. And then I said, Can I sing another one? And I sung Eleanor Rigby, I think it was. So what did the teacher say whenever he said, Can I sing another one? Was they it? were all just like he was just was like laughing and clapping and just thought it was like totally mental, but it was totally mental. <laughs> 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 so just like So you sang the second song. He said, Yeah, no problem, or did you just steamroll it or No, no, I said, Do you mind if I sing another one? Mm. And he says, Yeah. So anyway. And you sang Eleanor Rigby? I think it was Eleanor Rigby. I think it was Yellow Submarine, Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. And how did that go down? Yeah, they went down well. Eh? Wow. So it was like, you knew but I don't know why I came out and said, can I sing a song? Because <laughs> all I would do was go and give them a message. I don't know what the message was. It was just like a wee handwritten message from the teacher next door, you know. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah. And do you think that whenever you went back, the teacher was thinking, what kept John? Or was it thinking, God, I got rid of him for enough time there. That was good, actually. It's, oh, yeah. He's going like, yeah. We got rid of him for I'll send him for another message in the future. Okay. So let's have, let's have another track. So um, this one's called Stop. Once again, pretty random. It's like a sort of doo up song. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the, the jiggy, really. You the know jiggy? I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right, so okay. Use your imagination. Yeah, okay, got it. Well, but having said that, when I write the song, I don't realise that's what it's about until I read it back later or whatever, do you know what I mean? Okay, got but, it, yeah. Um, so is it written from a, one gender to another? It's or? just written like a bloody workman-like song because it's just like there's the, the melody yeah. and you're, like any song, you're constrained by the, ver- you know, what you can sing in the verses. Mm. And the, the melody of the song gives the the feel of the song, so it's going to be sort of like a an up sort of poppy song, mm. and then you just work around that. Do you know what I mean? So the the what the the context of the 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 melody that you write dictates what the the song the sort of which way the song's going to go. You know, so it just ended up like being a sort of doo wop type song, but. Once again, I just sit and write them down and, yeah, that sounds good, that sounds good, that sounds good. And I do it all pretty fast and then just go, bang, that's it, you know what I mean? And then I come back to it and go, okay, that line's a bit crap or that, you know what I mean? And that's just the way I write songs all pretty fast generally, you know, so. Do you remember whenever you were writing this, did you think, I want to write a doo-wop song or you just wrote it and it ended up being in a doo-wop song? No, I don't, no, I didn't like think I'm going to sit down and do a doo-wop song. Like I didn't, like when I did a Monk Less in a While, I'm not going to write like a Baroque sort of, black comedy number, you know what I mean? I just write the song and then and then it pops out the way it is, you know what I mean? Mm. But that's what I'm saying, they just pop out and that's it, you know what I mean? And um, the other thing about songs is that usually I write about three or four at one time, or the melodies anyway, and uh, the lyrics just come later. The lyrics are a bit more difficult and usually the, the three or four are very different. Each song is very different from each other, so... It's a bit I like wrote, buying shirts, as yeah, well. Yeah, I wrote Stop... A Monkless and Wild, Painted Red, and Keeper Satisfied, which are all in that album. And they're all very different songs from each other, you know, so, but all, all at the same time, basically, you know, so it's, it's a strange process. Mm. So, 
But they go, and this one's called Stop, darling. Okay, let's hear this. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Actually, don't that reminds me of? It reminds me of Amy Winehouse. Is that? Does it? Was it like Amy Amy Winehouse on the dole? <laughs> <laughs> I saw her with Prince. You know, she was um, Prince was doing one of his after parties um, during the O two period, and she came on at the end, and um, he said, "Miss Amy Winehouse, please look after." Her, you know, it's such a you know poignant oh. line that he said. But yeah, no. Remember, she, she had a very um, do-oppy style at times um, in the production. And speaking of the production itself, it's fantastic. So, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, well, that was about eight of the tracks are on the album were produced by Cormac O'Kane in Redbox Studios in Belfast and University Street. So, what happened was that I had all the recordings from London because I was playing in London for many years was a band and um, brought all the, the basic stems over the, the mixes. So we had the sort of bass drums, uh, lead guitar and my guitar and some guide vocals and Cormac did a fantastic job of just um, orchestrating them, just adding brass and um, keyboards, some keyboards and 
effects, you know, on Hill of Beans, he did some synths and that sort of thing, you know, so kind of brought them to life and um, I got Henry Stevens over, plays bass, he did a lot of um, the harmonies on the album, so I think they came out very nice, you know, but the, the thing about the album is that they're recorded in a lot of different studios, you know, so the basic, what you're hearing is, what we would do is we'd basically gig the stuff out with my band at the time um, and then go into the studio and go one, two, three, bang. So it does have a kind of a live, very live feel because it's all recorded live pretty much, you know, and then Cormac put the icing on the cake on them, do you know what I mean, and, and produced them up and that's the way it is, you know, but he did a fantastic job and a uh, lovely man, you know. He's, if you look at his work, he's he's recorded and performed with so many, it's a who's who of, of players from Daniel Donald to Paul uh, Brady, Sinead O'Connor, um, Bonnie Tyler, you know. So, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, amazing. Um, amazing. Turn around, oh. bright eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, no, it's very professionally recorded. And uh, he, he, I should say, he just got an award there recently with um, for, for his work with uh, Ed Sheeran. Oh right, yeah, I know. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Fair play, like I, I, I know it. Uh, the, the story that I've heard is that Ed has gone in and just played for about two, four, two or four hours. Just, it's almost like he's digging for gold. He goes in, and he's like jamming out, looking for a song, and then it's actually Jacko told me this and said, you know, nah, I didn't get anything there. So it's almost like he's mining for gold, you know, and. Cormac's all, yeah, it's fine, no problem, come in again whenever you want. So, but I think their last album, Ed's last album, must have been recorded a lot in uh, with Cormac's studio. Yeah. Wonderful. Rock on. Rock on, indeed, yeah. So, um, 30 years ago, we were in different bands. You were in your band, I was in my, uh, The Good Things, and Cormac was in the New Brontes. And Belfast was a different place then. Um, but it's it's amazing how we've all gone off in our different areas, and you're still doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm sitting in your front room, looking looking at you. <laughs> you're still writing and recording the songs, and you know what, John? Fair play to you, you know, because um, you're committed to your vision, and your um, vision is true to you. Um, and whilst it's fair to say that you haven't had the break that you've deserved. It doesn't mean to say that your vision's undimmed, and this is why I'm very, very happy to do this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because your your songs are fantastic. Um, you're a great performer. You're totally not safe to be on stage by any yeah. way, mentally or physically, but you, you endure it. You know, when the audience puts up with you. Bad man in park. Yeah, but um, well, speaking of which, actually, I've got a band that in Belfast at the moment so we'll be rocking again soon and uh, talk about the revolvers what, what's what is that name is it from inspiration of having lived in Belfast during the troubles or is it the inspiration from the Beatles or both no well it's just me wanting to have my cake and eat it because really like I just want to be like a solo artist and do my own thing but at the end of the day like when I play it live you know it's like if I I don't want to go see some guy playing an acoustic guitar, so it's to let people know that I've got a band with me, and it's just like the old sort of Bob Marley and the Wailers or Elvis Costello and the Attractions, that sort of 
old school type thing. And um, the other thing is that the Revolver, well, it's the, the Beatles Revolver album. And just, it's just something I used in London and just, it's something I, that I just use when I'm out and about doing my thing with my band, you know, so... Um, but I don't know, you can you, revolving doors, you know, one member goes, another member comes back, whatever, you know, so I don't know, whatever you want to think about it. Tell 10% of the story and the audience will write the 90. Yeah, but there's no sort of thing with the troubles or anything like, hey, hey revolver, say, nice one. Nice one, you're not using that. Streets of Belfast, nice, nice one, nice, just like, you know. I know. Yeah. Whatever. Belfast Child. Belfast Child is so beautiful, who was a drug Belfast? Oh, was that simple, the, simple minds. I think it was Turkey. Is it? A, I can't recall it. It was so, terrible. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Have you ever written songs about the troubles? I wrote one called um, "Red Indians." Oh, is that about us? About okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was like an up-tempo number. Yeah. And the thing about it was is that every song about the troubles was like, you know, friggin' dry ice and you know, <laughs> shaming from that. Karen on the bridge torn between the divide that used to be lover's paradise Shamey was a little Catholic Karen was a Protestant whatever you know sorry excuse my French but it was ridiculous but so Reading is like an up-tempo thing about living at that time during the troubles and and who are the Red Indians well it's Red Indians on on each other's side Mm. So it's just like, yeah, loyalists and Republicans at the time, you know, and just that whole mental era mm. that we all came through or some of us came through, you know, so. That's um, a good track. Yeah, it's just kind of like a fast rocker, but it's just, and it's also kind of like a two fingers to the sort of Simple Minds brand of song with the Troubles, you know, so. um they have their place, though. I mean, you can't rubbish them all, yeah? Well, they were kind of exploitative, you know, because, like, mm. you know, they are sort of, like, coming from outside of Northern Ireland and sort of cashing in on the whole. Right, okay. But maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, you know. Mm. But they were useful at the time, I suppose, on some level. Mm. So. Cool. Okay, let's hear Red Indians for the crack. <laughs> These days you don't stand a chance But shooting low and aiming wide Spread the word to your children Everyone must run and hide Watch out for red Indians Who take your head, take your life These are days when nothing seems to matter anymore People say a man ain't worth as much as what he's fighting for And what's more Put yourself in the picture Three score down won't make it bad You will get yours yet, my friend Red Indians, I'll pay the price 
here in front of me john called the great northwest silver express uh, well that one's just kind of like a sort of surreal um little ditty um kind of like a bit influenced by the beatles and prince so you got prince around the world in a day and the sort of beatles sort of psychedelic thing you know but the bit of train starts off in belfast and goes all the way around the world goes to new york and la and through China, through Russia, through Paris, France, and all the way back, but which is physically impossible given it's a train. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's just it's just a quirky little number, and um, it's kind of like it sort of starts off. I just airbrushed a the sound of a an old locomotive train onto the top of and the start of it and the end of it, and take it from there and just kind of builds and builds and builds, you know, and. Um, and that's just the way it was. Just a, it just kind of once again kind of wrote itself, you know. Nothing too heavy or deep. Is there's no, you know, it's not nothing about saving the world. Just about we train the goose. <laughs> Get on to Belfast West. And in your mind, does it go under the sea? Does it go above the sea? How does it travel? I don't know how it goes. It just goes. Just goes. Yeah, you yeah. don't care. It's, I don't care. Just to get you through from the verse of the chorus. Yeah, just you're get, thinking. Yeah, get me in a taxi and get me back home. <laughs> I've got a. So, I've got a, date me, to, I've got a date on the sofa that time. And put me to bed, please. <laughs> With some Largactol. but um, no, no, it's just a wee number, isn't it? It's just a bit of crack, isn't it? So, but it's a popular wee song. We start off a lot of a lot of our gigs with that song, you know, because it just kind of starts with me on the rhythm guitar and playing a bit of tremolo and then the um, bass and the drums all kick in gradually but you'll hear that when you hear it you'll, you'll get an idea of it The great northwest silver express Is leaving now from Belfast west on to New York State, down through L.A. From southern skies to northern lights From Chinese days to Russian nights 
and you know, the band always sounds fresh in your recordings. Yeah, well, I've got a great lineup of guys at the moment. So, um, Davy Bates is on the drums, who is like one of the best drummers I've worked with. He's just his timing is amazing, you know, and his his feel, and his touch. He puts on the right wee touches and fills, and just the right time. So. Steady as rock, so he's but he actually came from sort of a more hard rock um field. He was in a band called Storm Zone, you know. And what happened was that during the pandemic, I just put some of my music out there, you know, on, on the net. Just said, Is anybody interested? And I managed to get these fantastic musicians who, who came on board, you know. Um, the bass player is Ross Montgomery. And but he he works very well with Davy. The two of them are like buddies, you know, and um, just really really solid. And once you player. have once you have a tight bass player and a drummer, it's you, the foundation set for the house. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? You know, and it's just kind of like. But you see, getting you know a good band together or getting a bunch of guys who are good musicians and work well together is is like. Such a difficult thing to do, do you know what I mean? So at the moment, anyway, I've got a great lineup of guys. And Who, who's the other guy? There's a guy called Swavik Cordes. So he's from um, Poland, but he's only recently come on board and a very tasty guitar player. He's got the chops and once again, just a really lovely fellow to work with and just very easy to work with. So talk a little bit about the work involved in keeping a band together, the organisation and so on, because I'm sure people listening don't have a clue. Some well, people, some people bands are like it's like a shark, you know. It's like Woody Allen said that um, if a shark has to keep moving, or if it stops moving, it'll die, you know. So a band, you've got to keep sort of uh, keep it going and um, keep moving from one project to the next. So it, it is difficult, you know. It's difficult keeping a bunch of guys interested and focused on all on the same page. So. Um, but it is a hell of a lot of organisation, you know, like what people see is the end product of a lot of work that goes on in the background, you know. And the other, the other problem nowadays is that musicians don't get paid for what they do, do you know what I mean? This is like the universal problem, you know, with the internet and all the rest of it. So people have put a lot, lot of work in and they're not getting properly rewarded, you know. And um, But it's not, the, it's not about money, but all this stuff costs money. You know, I'm not trying to moan about it, but, you know, going paying for rehearsals, paying for transport and all the rest of the equipment, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z, petrol, that all costs money, you know, so. Um, what about the rehearsals? So where do you rehearse? How often? How much does it cost? <coughs> well, we rehearse um, down in West Belfast, um, uh, off, the, off the Springfield Road. So it's a studio for rehearsals? Studio, or a I, garage or what? Studio, I, so then we do that, like, once every week, but then I would get together with the musicians. And what does that cost, that rehearsal space? It's about 37 quid or something for uh, about three hours, you know. And you use all three hours? Well, it just depends sometimes, but not always. Like, it just depends on what we need to do, you know, so. And is the gear there? Do you have to bring the gear in? Is the drum kit set up? What's the story there? Yeah, well, the gear's all there. We we bring some of our own gear and stuff, you know, so. Uh, it's all pretty, like, it's not very interesting stuff. It's no, it, like, it's not interesting to you because you endure it all the time. But 
for people listening, they, you know, I, I know I have conversations like this with Joe Public and they don't have a clue. They're like, oh, wow. They're asking the questions that I'm asking. That's why I'm asking you. So um, the, the mics are set up, the stands are set up, the desk and so on, the, the PA. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you pay the money for, you know, for a studio. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so it's all sort of set up. But um, like anything, it just takes a lot of organization and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not... Mm. It's not easy, do you know what I mean? And as you say, that's only one section. Then there's a the gear, then there's a the transport. There's gear, and then there's also just trying to work with people, you know, which is always one of the most difficult things in life, is just trying to work with other people and get along with people and communication and blah, blah, blah. And musicians can be very headstrong, you know, so it's kind of trying to get what you want out of the material, but getting other people to sign up with that and be happy with it, you know what I mean? So How do you arrange your songs with the band and do you say to them right i want the drums to come in here i want some noodly guitar happening here or does it just happen organically well a song like six down and four to go maybe you can play that one but um it's a very um formalized type of song and so it's a very struck what i'm saying it's a very structured song so it's like I just would give that to the band. I'd say, right, this is a bass line, this is a drum line, these are the guitar lines, this is the way it is, you know what I mean? So it's just a very structured song. Down each and every street And everyone you meet Where is it? Where is it? You're not quite on the beat Four numbers in a row Three but you ain't got so Too bad now, there's no one Six down in four there's other songs that I do like um, maybe Keeper Satisfied or North Parade or so, uh, different songs that are more kind of free form so I might have the basic idea for the bass line and the drum line and maybe my line but then the, I would let the lead guitar just do its own thing you know what I mean in other words but sometimes you just give the song to the band and you go like what do you reckon in this and let them jam it out until you get something that that works, you know what I mean? So it's, there's no set pattern, you know what I mean? But some, some say some of the songs I write are, are very structured, mm. that they have to be a certain way, do you know what I mean? And this is, the, this is the way they are, you know what I mean? And a song like North Parade, are you, are you writing that to appease the, the containment or, or the, you're, you're forcing a band member to follow a line, but there, are you writing a song like North Parade where they can actually have some, freedom within a set or is it just because it's writing well not for like the, the bass line for instance because it's, it's a very set bass line but for the guitar part at the end of the song there's a lot of a few of my songs that it just gives room for the guitar just to do a free form thing do you know what I mean or, it's not just the guitar it's the drums and the drums or whatever you know what I mean but um just depends on the song because some of the songs you know the groove is the bass line, for instance, or in Precious Love, a song like that, where it goes doom, 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 and that's just keeping the whole thing together, because if that falls apart, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole song falls apart, but then you can do really interesting stuff with the rest of it, you know, and I've had keyboard players in the band, so you can just go, right, just do your thing over the top of it, you know, and because I like that sort of when you have something very sort of structured and then you put something chaotic on the top of it, you know what I mean? And it just it makes it interesting, you know? So, as I say, like, there's songs that are, what, 
I'd write and I'd just sort of go, oh, here's a song, just give it to the band, sort of go, what do you reckon on this? And, and see where it goes with the guys, you know what I mean? And other times it's just like, you know, this is it's like Hitler's will. This is the way the song goes, yeah? Do you, do you model yourself on him sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Did you know same hair, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you know that Hitler and Charlie Chaplin were born four days apart? So I kind of see you as both of them. That's beautiful, thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Let's have another song. Okay. <laughs> Was sort of like a, a really old song that I wrote in my twenties, and um, it's just a rocker. It's just a rock, rock and roll song, and it's just I don't even want to sit and try to work this one out. It's just I, like, can I work it out for you? You're, you're, Whenever I see hear that song, I just think megalomania. This is a guy who's a, who goes to a party, and the party's all having great form, but you're walking out in style. Yeah, that's me. In your twenties, but now it's walking out with piles. <laughs> <laughs> And on that bombshell, here we have Walking Out in Style by John Devlin. Something's better left unsaid But there's a question running round my head You're so clever, I come your own alone there ain't nobody to take you on Listen up, you better listen good You ain't performed just as well as you should Even though you may be center stage You stand still while your audience has changed Hold on, better hold on tight This is gonna be the ride of your life, yeah. Be the one who'll be walking out in style. So, John, uh, the record obviously sounds fantastic, but your current band aren't the only players on there. Who else is on there? Well, the current band aren't actually playing on this album, so this because al- you because you recorded in London a lot. Yeah, of- yeah well, there's um, Don Stick plays lead, lead guitar and a lot of he plays on Everlasting Love. It is a really uh, savage, solo. savage sort of guitar solo on that, and just rips through it. And then I've got Henry Stevens, he plays bass, does a lot of harmonies. He's an old, he actually played with my band. North Breed, back in the day. Back in the day, and um, still in contact with Heza, still in contact with Don, 
done fantastic guitar player. And then we've got Barry Gill. Barry used to work in as a barman in the 12 Bar Club. You'll remember those days? Yeah. And That's uh, in the West End of London, Strand... Was it no Charing Cross Roads? Yeah, it was Denmark Street. I off the Charing Cross. Yeah, but now um, they've actually turned it into I don't know what the block of flats probably. I know it's terrible. Like, yeah, but they've kind of gutted the whole of um, it was Tim Pan Alley what it was. Mm. But we used to play like the Twelve Bar Club and um, Dublin Castle and Water Rats and all all those places. Um, Hope and Anchor or the Hopeless One, as you used to call it back in the day and. Um, and that's where I met Barry. So he he plays um, on Great Northwest, and Barry plays at the start of I'm Not the One. Um, Barry Gill and Don plays the solo at the end of I'm Not the One. So it's kind of a a mix of all the all the musicians I was playing with at London at the time. But actually, what with the drummer? Well, there's a few drummers on on the album. So you've got like uh, Pat Moore. Um, he plays drums on I'm Not the One, and then you've got a guy called Danny Marin. Uh, from Spain, he plays on Homunculus and Wild and Hill of Beans, Painted Red. And then you've got Dave Simpson. He plays on like Everlasting Love and Woodlane Station. So whole rake of dudes mm-hmm. who were floating in the John Devlin Borg at the time, you know, sort of. And should we mention Fran and Gavin? Yeah, they used to play in my band North Parade back in Belfast. Many, many years ago, many moons ago, but um, Brad is working in the um, laundry trade. As a model. As a model, and I think uh, Gavin's working in plastics, but... Um, as a model. As a model, no, but I think Gavin's still making music and and Fran's, Fran's working in the drum shop, is he? But cool. Lots of love, guys. Absolutely. Love you. <laughs> so uh, let's go to Everlasting Love, talk about it. Everlasting Love is just a straight rocker. It's kind of like got an offbeat, like the Beatles' Taxman or something like that. And the thing that's most interesting, well, it's got all these sort of um, gear shifts, you know, which I use in some of my songs, like Six Down and Four to Go, so it just jumps up. And the most interesting thing for me is that Don Sticks guitar playing in the solo, just as I say, it's kind of like a really savage mm. guitar solo, which, which is which really stands out for me, you know, so... And once again, we just recorded that all in the studio. You know, we did that in, um, we recorded those, we recorded Everlasting Love on the album, folks. So Everlasting Love, Woodlane Station, Next in Line, and I think there's one more. But we did them all live in the studio, in a, in a studio called Roundel Studios in Essex, but it was an old analog studio. We were the last band ever to play there. Explain, when, explain to people the difference between analog and digital. Well, analog is tape and digital is digital. It's hard Di- disk recorders, computers. Yeah, digital yeah. numbers. What's the difference in terms of output? Well, I prefer analog and a lot of musicians do prefer analog because analog is similar to what the human ear is. There's a band of sound, basically. The human ear can hear up to a certain pitch and, you know, and analog works like that. Whereas digital, the sound just goes on forever, do you know what I mean? So that's why um, a lot of people like older records and stuff and, you know, or people like vinyl and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Because you just get that warmer feeling, you know, so it just has a, just a warmer sound. So, like, the tracks in the album are all recorded onto analog. You know, we did use digital in some of the um, production of it, but then the whole album I ran through an analog desk again. So in Cormac's studio, we he did it all 
produced all in digital from analog tape. And then I ran the whole thing once again through an analog desk at Vic Bronzini Fulton's studio in Belfast, Earth Music Studios, who once again, big shout out to Vic. Yeah, big Vic Victor, yeah. If you're listening, darling. So um, so there you go, there's analog and digital, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about uh, you're the last band to have recorded in that studio. Well, another thing, yes, going back to um, De- Derek Okora and the uh, Most Haunted, oh. was the, the, the studio was actually meant to be haunted, so by an old monk, the guy who recorded us, a lovely fellow called Kevin Pine, Big shout out to Kevin too, yeah. So um, he said he was record, working there one night and he was sort of closing up at the end of the night and he looked into the, the music room from the, 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 the studio and he, he saw like like a monk, <laughs> um, you know, by the drum kit. <laughs> so, Just like playing on the toms or tuning yeah. them or what was he doing? <laughs> he was like a... I don't know what he was doing, yeah, he was probably like having a wee tune. Yeah. Playing the toms, yeah. Was it just him or was it a full band of monks? No, I think it was just a monk. Was just sort One of monk. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how they always glide, those monks, isn't it? Yeah, he was gliding, he was gliding, yeah. but he was like sort of uh, playing the Jewish harp. Right. Yeah. At the same time. Wow. But by standing by the, by the drums? Not, well, no, gliding by the drums. Gliding by the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Should we have some music to get us out of this hole? Okay, thank okay, you. Great. Every last enough. Listen to the guitar solo. <laughs> Everlasting love 
So um, this uh, CD that you that you're releasing called Next in Line, it's well. You can go on to johndevlin.net and yeah, you'll get more information. Make sure you subscribe on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, and uh, you'll get the latest information. Yeah, you will get the album on if you go to johndevlin.net. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Cool. You're a very grounded fellow. How how, how do you manage to stay so grounded, John? Well, it's just I've got like a huge entourage of yeah. people around me, you know. So, like, you know, I've got like you've got, I, I see here you've got a hair technician and a parapsychology person involved. In parapsychologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, who is that person? Declan Keys the third, yeah. So he's like uh, comes with me everywhere, does my hair, does my tends to my parapsychology just needs. Yeah, yeah. And, and in what way does he do that? Just seances and, you know, like candles and just the usual sort of stuff. Oils. What do you want, you? Oils. <laughs> and does he do does he do the hair at the same time? No, he does that separately, but uh, mm. yeah. But he's like, he doesn't just do me, he does El- 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 Elton, he does all the big stars, you know, he does like... Uh, Kanye. Kanye, he does Lady Gaga, yeah, yeah, he does like... Daniel. Daniel O'Donnell, yeah. Um, the Furies. The Furies, all, all the big, Ed Sheeran, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. All the names. Keith Harris. Keith Harris does Keith Harris, yeah. So, yeah, well-known man on the circuit, you know. Black Lace. He's a total bastard <laughs> when he gets a few drinks in him, but... In what way? He just flies off the handle. What's throwing oils all around the room or what? Just like friggin' losing the rag. Yeah. But he, but he's he he does competitive rates, so that's why you keep him on board. Or what's the story? Well, he's, he's he's on the credits, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how do you stay grounded well, with, with with such a large entourage? Go out and drink lots of tea. Yeah, and what does that? How does that work? Well, you just boil a kettle and get a tea bag the tea in the bag in the cup and pour the hot water in you mash the bag and then get a bit of milk put a bit, bit of milk in see how much milk you want in it I keep the tea bag in the, the cup but some people they prefer to take the tea bag out you know it's just like it's just the way it goes you know right and what do you think of these people? Next song. <laughs> what do you think of these people? You keep the, you take the tea bag out though. Right, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
excuse me, sorry, I was just laughing into my closed nostrils that I was pinching. Um, the last uh, track we're going to listen to today is Woodland Station. Right, what's that about? I chose that one because I like the lyrics of it, and it's kind of like in three different sections. It's kind of like a st- stream of consciousness. So the first verses are based on... I don't want to sound pretentious here, but probably I'm going to, but the first verse is based on a, a very famous painting by Edward Hopper called Nighthawks. You probably hey, that's the one with a corner cafe and the, yeah, yeah. and the, it's American and it's 1950s maybe style. So if you listen to the lyrics, it's like in the still of night on an empty street by the diner light, no one seems to speak. Across the other side, in a darkened room, someone's pulled the blinds, but no one is at home. That's where I am. So, yeah, yeah, so just like... So you're a, you're across the street looking in. Well, he's my favourite um, artist, Edward Hopper, you know, so I just love his paintings and I love... Once he's kind of got mysterious quality to his, his stuff. They're very American. He's a very influential painter, as you probably all know, especially anybody listening to out in America. Like Hitchcock, you know, for Psycho, he used a lot of the imagery and other directors have pinched from Edward Hopper, you know, in terms of the look of their movies and stuff. Yeah, so I just caught my imagination and the second part of the second part of the song is just about where I grew up in Black Rock in the south of Ireland outside Dundalk and, you know, back to the old school and the boathouse which is in Black Rock and the beach and the promenade and all the rest of it. And that's just referencing my childhood and stuff. And then the last verses are all which is the title track of the song the title of the song Woodlane Station. They're when I was in London, when you went between Shepherd's Bush and White City on the Central Line, there used to be like um, Woodlane Station that was closed in 1947 after the war, but they left the, the old platform there. So if you went between Shepherd's Bush, I don't know if it's still there because I haven't been back to London in a while, but um, then you looked at the train, you'd see the old Woodlane platform lit up and it was kind of like a ghost station, you know, so it just really caught my imagination if you just listen to the lyrics, so I just, I'm just, I just like the lyrics of that mm. song a lot. You know what I mean? Just sort of caught my imagination and just kind of like the mysterious quality of it. You know what I mean? And so it's like your version of Carrick Fergus in, in that each verse is a standalone verse, which has no relationship to the. Well, it's just kind of. Well, I don't know if it's like Carrick Fergus, you know, but you know what I mean. They're, it's they're, just a stream, no relationship. Yeah, it's the just two. a stream of consciousness because at the end of the day, that's the way. That's the way my mind works because you you think about something and then your mind jumps to something else and you know you can jump to some way back in your past and some way in your present or a piece of art or something that's here now and you know that's the way you know consciousness is isn't it I think anyway do you know what I mean it's just I just like the lyrics and that's why I chose it you know so that's why I finished the album on the track because it starts off very quiet with I'm not the one just me and the acoustic guitar. And then it finishes just on the drums and the, the bass note going out. So I just thought it was a nice sweet song to finish the, the album with. And once again, it's got like John Stick's rip-roaring guitar at the end of it, you know. And um, So, John, you've been doing this for 30 years and, you know, you're, you're keeping going. So, but what is it that you would like ultimately to happen for your, for your music? Well, you know, for me, like music is a service. And um, I think if you're given a gift which, I don't, you know, you, you have to sort of give that away, you know what I mean? So, Do you consider your your music, your songwriting a, a gift that you've been bestowed 
from something. Yeah, but I think like yes, I don't think that's big headed to say that, but I think everybody's got you know different things to bring to the table, as Kanye West said. <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's like it is a service, so it's like you know. You, uh, you get people come up to me and they go, oh, I really love that song, oh my God, that was fantastic and all the rest of it. And that, that's what keeps you going, you know. What I would ultimately like to be able to do is that I'd love to be able to earn a living out of it and and also I'd like to be able to sort of tour it out and play it, play it out, you know, and just do it to the best of uh, my ability, you know. It's just trying to get to a position where you can get the resources to do it as, as well as you can, you know, so limits my ambition about it but what keeps me going is that it's a creative element and you know I think for me anyway I just need that in my, in my life you know so it's just something I feel I should be doing and if I wasn't doing it I wouldn't be too happy about it you know so I don't I don't intellectualize it I just feel I need to be doing it you know what I mean I've heard Jordan Peterson he's a he's a People here love him or lose him. I, I really like him whenever he talks about psychology and he talks about artists who, if they are not being artistic, they just wither on the vine. And I look at you and I, I still think of that 16-year-old being sent for the errand and saying, please may I sing a song. Uh, so, yeah, I think you have this need. You know, if you were, you know, earning nothing or earning millions, you'd still be doing this. Yeah, but I don't think it's just me. I think if you go out, you look on the internet, you look on Facebook or anything, there's thousands and thousands of people who make music or make pieces of art or make films and they do it for nothing. You know what I mean? So it's it's like it's just a human need to, to be creative, you know, and I think that the shame is that everything is about money and a lot of great stuff out there doesn't get recognised or doesn't get properly reward for it whereas a lot of get makes a lot of money you know what I mean and and that's that's just to do with marketing or you know what I mean all the rest of it or they've got a machine behind it you know so um but it's something I will always you know this music has just been great because it's just got me out of so many holes you know what I mean I don't want to sort of get too heavy about it but it's just it's been a point of light in my life sort of having that which, which is um which is which is very has been a very good thing for me. Do you know what I mean? You know, so other people don't have that. You know, are, so. are are you are you still writing songs, or have you got any new songs in the can or whatever? Yeah, I've always got songs sitting around. You know, but as I say, I just kind of put songs together pretty quickly when I need them. You know, so I don't really think about it. I just sort of um, I just get the the muse, is it? And you just some happens, and you you put some together. You know, and and I said, well, I don't worry about songwriting. I don't think about it. I just always have stuff sitting around that I can just sort of work on. And they're always in the background, you know. But um, now that I've got this new band, we're going to be out playing again soon. I'll, no doubt I'll have new stuff to go, you know. So um, hopefully you can catch us at a gig, you know. That'd be great. Cool. Okay, well... Anybody listening, johndevlin.net is the website and you can find links to all those social places and connect with John there. And John, may I thank you for your time today and may I wish you all the very best. Well, thank you, Fender, for having me and um, we go back a long, long time and maybe a bit too long. Too long, (laughs) too long.
But it's been lovely having you, and I've had a fantastic weekend, and you have a great time. And but we'd like to give the other contestants a, a go now. Thanks. <laughs> John's been staying with me all weekend. Yeah, it's been an experience. We actually played three gigs this weekend. You know, I've never played a proper gig in Galway, and I and uh, I thought, well, John's coming down, so let's uh, line up some gigs for him. We magic three gigs. Terrorized locals. Terrorized locals. T. Nocton was the first one we invoked the. The spirit of uh, Jerry Mulholland. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, then we played in this really strange place called... The Keys. It wasn't strange, it was just you were strange. Okay. Yeah. And then the final place we played was All 55. All 55, yeah. You enjoyed that the best? No, I was a good crack guy. Yeah, yeah. Why? Just because you were playing on your own for a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played Life on Mars and a John Prine song. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, well, listen, thanks for having me, and I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, chatting to you, and I hope you enjoy the album, and look up my website, johndevlin.net, and, yeah, hope to hear from you folks. Drop me, there's a wee contact thing, you can drop me a, a line and, or whatever, and we'll see you in the town near you soon. Cool. Okay, here we go. Woodland Station, a.k.a. Carrick Fergus. Bye. Bye. Street. <laughs>
This has been a Solid Hill Media original podcast and production. 